What's up, party people? Welcome to Romancing Nancy Drew. I'm your host, Indy Nickerson, which stands for Nancy Drew Nickerson. You can find me at that name on Twitter, or you can find me at the handle Romancing Nancy if you're more interested in just hearing other ridiculous things about Nancy Drew (laughs) whenever I think about updating. Uh, Today's episode is going to be about the quest of the missing map, which honestly, like, we're in 1942 now, so that's cool. Like, we're, we've actually entered World War II. The United States has anyway. So there's, the thing is that the books, in the books, they've made the conscious decision not to place them in specific time frames, which is why later they kind of revised it to do away with things like ice boxes and, and talking about people not having phone lines and things like that. That was part of it anyway. So in this book, the way that you know about that is actually because Nancy can't find a boat. (laughs) This one has a lot to do with boats. Um, And it also has this weird like Scooby-Doo quality to it. Like I honestly feel like if I took any random person in a bar one night and said, hey, what do you think Nancy Drew books are about if you've never read one? And this is kind of probably where their minds would go. So This one, the premise of it is that Nancy comes home one day from her drawing class because, I mean, of course she's taking drawing class and it feels like she would almost be taking drawing class from like a police sketch artist based on what happens in this book. But she's really interested in doing portraits, which again, because she runs into a lot of bad guys, that kind of makes some sense. But she runs home and she hears Hannah in the kitchen and Hannah's talking to somebody. So here's the thing. Hannah has a life when it's reasonable to think that it could have something to do with the plot um there's some really interesting shit that goes down with hannah in the files just based on like this would be really cool if this happened let's just fill in some backstory for her let's retcon some shit but for this one um hannah is talking to a girl named ellen who she used to work for ellen's family before she came to work for the drews and the story goes that like in the mystery stories anyway hannah came to work for the drews before Nancy's mom died like that wasn't the reason that Carson hired her in the files Carson hires Hannah basically to take care of the house because you know his wife has died and he can't handle it but in this one it's like Hannah's been with the family for quite a while but anyway um Ellen's about 20 and in this book it doesn't say they've stopped alluding to Nancy's age it's that she's young um She's attended high school. She's the secret of the old clock, which is the first one of the series, is, has been some years ago. But again, they're super vague about her age. Um, Hannah's talking to Ellen, and Ellen's trying to think about whether she's going to take a position that's been offered to her. Ellen is super interested in music, and so she's actually attending a music college, but it's expensive, and she's taking out loans, and her dad was injured in a car accident. And he can no longer work. And so she's just concerned about money. Because again, if the Nancy Drew Mystery Stories teach us anything, it's that we need a fucking robust social safety net, y'all. But anyway, so Ellen's concerned about that. And she's been offered a job, but she's not sure if she should take it. So she's going to Hannah for advice. And Hannah's like, you should talk to Nancy. Nancy loves mysterious things. And Nancy's like, hello, catnip, what? So she walks in and she's like, did I hear my name? And Ellen's like, yeah, so hi. Um, the name of the house that Ellen has been offered a job at is called Rocky Edge. And the name of the woman is Mrs. Chatham. And Mrs. Chatham has a young daughter. Her She's seven years old and her name is Trixie, which... It is odd. Trixie Belden hadn't yet become a series at this point, but anyway. Um, also, it makes me think of the Trix Rabbit, which that's a good association for Trixie. She likes to run off. Um, Trixie's interested in music, and Ellen would be kind of like her nanny slash music teacher. And also, Mrs. Chatham is just, like, not great as a person. And Ellen's like, I don't know if I want to work for her. Like... I just, it's a lot. Also, Trixie's seven, and I like kids, but I just don't know. And it's like, well, let's just go out there and meet them. That'll be cool. So they go up, and Mrs. Chatham, like, almost immediately is, like, Trixie does something, and Mrs. Chatham grabs her and pulls her arm, and she's like, oh, Mom, that hurt. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry, precious. And you're like, oh, shit, okay, so not great. We're not starting off on a good foot. Um, 
Ellen is just, she's like, it's really good money. Like I, mm, she's torn over it. And Nancy honestly is not super thrilled about the idea either because again, Mrs. Chatham seems to be like not intentionally malicious, honestly, but she's really hard to pin down on stuff. She's, um, and also she like talks down in front of Trixie about Trixie. She's like, oh, she's just a willful child. She does what she wants. She's just, you know, undisciplined. She really, you know, all this bullshit about her. And Nancy's like, "Uh, let's go do something else. And so she actually um, gets Trixie out of the house because she feels like maybe part of why Trixie's acting this way is because she hears her mom constantly talking shit about her which valid. So Nancy's like, Oh, can you just let's, let's just walk around for a little bit. And so Nancy ends up walking out to what Trixie calls the ship cottage, but Trixie refuses to go inside because she says the place is haunted, which again, a catnip, Nancy catnip. So Nancy goes in there and pokes around and she doesn't really see any, like, it's just basically a storage shed, I guess. But let's back up here. The backstory for Rocky Edge is that it was owned by an inventor who was just completely ridiculous. Like, he did all sorts of shit that doesn't make any sense. It kind of reminds me of that house that Nancy went into that had no interior and just had this tunnel leading out to a giant rock. Like, there's a character in the Discworld series called Bloody Stupid Johnson, and this feels a lot like that, where it's just like somebody creating for the sake of creating, but it also seems really deeply mysterious, like we're not under a Scottish castle in 1757, so what the fuck is this tunnel here for? Because there is a point at which Nancy finds a fucking tunnel. Um, and again, like, Nancy's Nancy does a lot of tunnel work, like in the staircase like that's one of the things there's a tunnel that goes to another mansion that was built during the civil war like there's there's definitely some themes there but she goes to the ship cottage and um she's already aware that apparently the house is a little bit weird um Trixie says that she saw somebody in the cottage and so that's why she doesn't want to go in there she says it's a ghost and so Nancy's like I'm sure it's not haunted but so she um there's a piano in there, so Nancy sits down, and she starts touching keys, and nothing happens, and Nancy's like, I was unaware that pianos could be silenced, like, that's an interesting thing, because the the piano seems to be intact, of course, um, she pokes around, and she's like, I think there are probably some secret passages here, like, some interesting stuff here, but then she actually, um, sees somebody vanish behind a panel behind her, I guess there's a mirror or something where she glances behind her when she hears movement and the person's like, get out of here if you know what's good for you. And Nancy's like, oh, shit. So because she's there with Trixie and she's afraid that Trixie's going to get hurt or something, she decides that she's going to leave it for now. But much like the moss-covered mansion that she could not keep away from, she ain't going to leave this shit alone either. Um, she goes back to the house and Ellen's like, I just don't know about this. And Nancy's like, just tell her that you need like a week to think about it. And Ellen's like, can I have a week? And Mrs. Chatham was like, oh, okay. So, um, Nancy decides to go talk to her dad and say, you know, do you, what are your feelings on this? And he's like, I don't know. I mean, from everything you're telling me, it sounds kind of sketch because like the place seems fairly remote. There's a lot of just like weird stuff in the house Mrs. Chatham is not, like, all that great a person, so. Um, A few days later, Ellen's doing a performance at her music college, and Mrs. Chatham's in attendance, and she hears Ellen sing, and she's like, oh my god, you have to teach my daughter, like, I want you to come work for me right away, and Ellen's like, I still need a minute to think about this, and she's like, fine, you have three days, like, she's, she's very impetuous, really, um, Nancy finds out that Mrs. Chatham had a first husband who she lost apparently pretty abruptly, like he died, and then she got married to Mr. Chatham, and then he died fairly recently, and that was Trixie's dad, so she's a double widow, and she's only got Trixie, but she refers a lot to, like, being upset about her husband, her first husband's belongings, like, she's like, yeah, I had to keep him, but, like, it makes me sad to look at him, and so... Nancy's like, maybe this is just the way she's working through her grief. Like, she's just not super focused on Trixie and making sure that Trixie's provided for in a positive way. So from that perspective, it would be good for Ellen to be there. So anyway, but Ellen also has 
of course, some intrigue to share. So she's talking to Nancy and she's like, let me tell you about the mystery with my family. And Nancy's like, again, hit me up with some catnip. Just hit me. So Ellen takes Nancy back to her house where she meets the father who was injured in the car accident and is in a wheelchair or having mobility issues. So anyway, he can't work. Um, And Ellen's mom, who doesn't seem to be really all that remarkable within the text. Um, So she's talking to Ellen's dad, and this is what she finds out. Bring out your bingo card. Ellen's dad is a twin, so mark that off. Ellen's dad's twin was lost at sea, so mark that off. Um, So again, we have a long-lost relative. Um, They haven't seen each other since they were 14, and when they were at sea with their sailor father and he saw that the ship was probably going to go down, he put the two brothers in separate fucking lifeboats. And he took a treasure map and tore it in half and gave each of them a piece of it. Again, now you've filled up your bingo card. Like, we've hit everything. Um, so Ellen's dad has half of the treasure map, and he made it so that there's not enough for him to find it without having the other half of the treasure map. So the two brothers have to find each other, get together, put the map, two pieces of the map together. And that's how they're going to find the treasure, of course. And of course, as previously mentioned, Ellen's kind of hit up for money. Her dad can't work. So if they found the treasure, then that would be fantastic. Like it's, again, because we have no robust social safety net, what do they have to depend on is some possible pirate booty. Like... It's never said that the father or grandfather, if you're talking about Ellen, is this pirate. But it's just like, how how did you come upon this treasure? I have, I have some questions involving, like, theft and piracy. It's fine. So, um, Nancy's like, oh, do you still have the half of the map that was given to you when you were 14? And he's like, oh, yeah. Also, because, of course, um, his twin does not look like him. They were fraternal twins. They weren't identical. So that's that's a little bit of a twist. But anyway, he still has the map. And he tells Nancy that somebody named Mr. Bowers came by earlier and that day and was like, oh, I, I really would love that map. And he offers him $50 for it, which would be like 800 in today's money. And he's like, I just really love map fragments. And the father's like, no, I'm, I'm not interested in selling, but thanks. Which again, $800, like, mm, I mean, it's fine. Um, so Nancy, of course, is immediately intrigued. Here's the thing, like, in some of these Nancy Drew books, the second that Nancy finds out that there's a piece of something that's valuable to somebody else, like, she is going to be under constant perpetual surveillance, almost supernatural in strength until she has recovered everything. And this is one of those cases. So Mr. Bowers has left, but there are we find out by the end of this thing. Mr. Bowers is looking for this map. A guy named Spike, who I always imagine looks like Spike from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, is also looking for the map. Although the Spike in this book is not as awesome. Um, also, we've got Mr. and Mrs. Brown, who are also looking for the map because they're just douchebags. Like, <laughs> it's never really explained what the fuck the connection between any of these people is. Um, like, Spike was a sailor, and so he knew somebody that was on the ship with the father who tore the map apart, and so he was, like, that's how he found out about that. Um, Mr. and Mrs. Brown, like, thought that they were helping Spike, but then it's it's all just super fucking convoluted. So anyway, you just have a bunch of bad guys. Just at any moment, imagine that at least two bad guys are in Nancy's proximity, and you would be correct. So... Um, Nancy finds the map and she, there's a bunch of map copying in this book. So Nancy finds a piece of the map. She makes a copy of it. She then makes another copy of it because one of the copies gets stolen. Um, she makes a copy and sends it to her dad at his office. Um, at one point after she's recovered the other part of the map, she makes a copy of that, but she makes it incorrectly. At one point, Hannah makes a copy of a map and makes it incorrectly because one of the bad guys is asking for it. So yeah, there's just a bunch of map fragments that we're not quite sure of, of whether they're correct or not. Like, it's fine. So, 
Um, Nancy has a fragment of the map, and she is on her way to Emerson to meet Ned for a dance, because the best thing ever is going to happen in this book, and you're like, they're finally going to bang, and I love where your head's at. Um, she's going up to Emerson. I think she's on a train, actually, at this point, and she sees that the couple is stalking her, basically. They know that she's got a map fragment in her purse, and so she manages to take the map fragment... This is the one that she got from Ellen's dad. She takes it, copies it, like shuts herself into a phone booth and copies the thing in a department store. There's a department store with phone booths. So she copies it, puts it in her pocket, and then the jackasses pickpocket her and steal her purse. But um, the per the thing was not in her purse. She was like, well, I lost my compact. So there's that. But she had actually put the map in her pocket at that point. She calls Ned from the train station and she's like, there's some people chasing me. And, um, could you possibly come here and pick me up? And he's like, girl, I am there. And so he hops on the train immediately. He gets on the next train out there. And as the train's pulling in, Nancy's so excited to see Ned that she does not keep a watch on her pocketbook. And that's how it gets stolen. So the person who snatches it like fades into the crowd. And she's like, oh, no, my pocketbook. But, you know, it's fine. She just had to make a show of it. And Ned's like, are you okay? And she's like, I'm great now, honey bun. So they go back to Emerson for a night. Like, she's just going over there for a night. Do you remember in Nancy's Mysterious Letter that it took them like a fucking day almost to get to Emerson, like a good solid five hour drive or whatever the fuck. And in this, she's like, I'm just going to take a quick train jaunt to go up for just the day. It's fine. So she gets up to Emerson and they're having some sort of weird thing that's going on with the dance. Like they're having theatricals or whatever the fuck. And I think that it's fine. Uh, Ned introduces Nancy to his friend who has the same last name that Ellen's dad was born with because he doesn't go by his birth name. He was adopted by a family named Smith. And so that's what he goes by. But his actual last name was Tomlin. So he just goes by Tomlin Smith. And this guy's name is Bill Tomlin. And Nancy's like, Tomlin, tell me everything about that last name. And he's like, oh, well, I don't really know much about it. Um, I just know that there are people in my family who really like to go sailing. And Nancy's like, tell me everything. But while they're at the dance, of course, the people that are in charge stand up on the stage and they're like, hey, um, so as everyone knows, we like to crown a queen of the dance. And you already know what's going to happen here. You already know it. Um, they're like, we, we crown the most popular, most wonderful girl. And would Nancy Drew come up to the stage? And everyone's like, oh my God. And Nancy's like, what the, f okay. And so she actually goes up there and she gets crowned with like a fucking sash and everything. And she gets to sit there in a, in a throne and just, just sit up there rocking it. The thing that I think is hilarious because this actually happens to her at other points during the series, but this is the first time this has happened where she just goes up and she just gets crowned queen of a dance just by being in attendance because that's how hard she rocks. So she's sitting up there like looking around and Ned of course is going with pride because yeah, that's my girl. That's my girl up there kicking all y'all's asses being queen of this fucking dance. So she's sitting up there and all of a sudden the lights go out and when the lights come back up, she's gone. And Ned's like, fuck no. The guy who's in charge is like, oh, it was just a prank. I don't know. And then Ned's like, no, it fucking wasn't a prank. And the guy's like, yeah, you're right. It wasn't a prank. We don't know where the fuck she is. We just didn't want anyone to panic. And Ned's like, what the fuck? So you remember that couple that I was talking about earlier, the Browns, who um, stole her purse? Well, they followed her ass up to Emerson, were looking for a prime opportunity to steal her and just cut the lights and just snatched her out of a dance. Like... I've got some follow-up questions, honey. Why wouldn't you just wait until she's back at the fucking Omega house and just steal her ass from there? It's fine. You were just in a hurry. And also, that is super dramatic, and I love it. I love that you're just here to just start shit. So, they like... Actually, what they do is they approach her, and they're like, come with us. And she thinks that it's part of the dance, and so she goes willingly. And then she sees who they are, and she's like, oh, fuck no. But by then, they've got her in the car. And so they're like you're going to give us the map or we're going to do bad things. And Nancy's like, oh, well, I'm just, why the fuck would you think I would have it with me when I'm at a fucking dance, you morons? And they're like, 
that's a solid point. So the car slows down at an intersection and she like throws herself out of the car as one would, as I've planned to do on several occasions when I was like, I no longer want to be in this fucking vehicle. So she flings herself out and there's a car that comes up right behind them. And so they speed off because they don't want to be caught. And it's a farmer and the farmer's wife (laughs) is like, oh shit, it's a ghost run. And her, Nancy's like, I'm not a ghost. I'm not a ghost. (laughs) Um, I think that she had selected, I think it was actually the, maybe the robe that they put on her when she was crowned queen was a white robe. But anyway, she was like, no, I'm just... I was at a dance, and, and I, I'm a queen of the dance, and I got kidnapped, and can you please just take me back to the dance? And the farmer's like, oh, sure, because what the fuck? So uh, they load Nancy up in the van and in their truck, and they take her back to the dance. And, of course, Ned, like, springs out of the bushes, and is like, oh, my God, you're okay. And Nancy's like, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. And they're like, oh, shit. So, and the next day, Nancy just goes home. <laughs> Now, of course, for those of you who are inclined the way I am, of course, Ned would be overcome with emotion seeing his girlfriend return to him after being abducted. She's just been crowned queen of the dance, and she is queen of your heart. Clearly, y'all need to bang this out. You need to, just to work through all the pain and and sadness you felt when she was gone. But anyway, she goes home. Uh, (laughs) So... Nancy has decided at this point that, yeah, Ellen should go ahead and take the job, like, babysitting Trixie, basically. And because she's kind of curious about the house, honestly, um, she goes into the ship cottage and Mrs. Chatham tells Nancy that a bunch of her first husband's belongings are in the ship cottage. Um, he, he was a ship captain, she eventually finds out. And he's got little models of ships as well. So there's that. And also there's some storage space in there that's got some... Like, there's a secret way to get into it that Nancy finds where you have to, like, take a peg out of a wall. Please understand that if you tell Nancy that there's a secret something anywhere, she's immediately like, I want to know absolutely everything about this. So, but she's also that intruder that she saw. She's like, clearly somebody else wants to be in here, which means there's something in here that's worth something. But the place is fucking booby-trapped. Like, the inventor who built that house, who has, like, the most ridiculous, it sounds like a porn, act, like, alias or whatever the fuck. It's like Norse goddess or something. Anyway, um, Silas Norse, I think it is. Um, because, of course, he's got a beard, and he don't want you to know his real name, because it's going to get weird. Nancy actually finds out after she goes to do some research on the house that apparently Spike, who you will remember from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, broke into Silas's house and then tried to sue him because he was injured in the process of trying to burglarize the fucking house, which, wow, way to be fucking entitled, Spike. Um, he got, like, trapped in a secret passage or some shit and was like, he owes me damages because how was I to know that I would be injured in a secret passage when burglarizing another person's house? Um, which he lost the case, but anyway. So, Nancy knows that his name has been associated with the house and also that he's not all that good a guy, of course. His name is Spike. What do you expect? Um, it's fine. In the meantime, of course, the Browns are following Nancy everywhere she fucking goes. It's just, like, seriously. Oh, my God, y'all. Oh, my God. Um, After Ellen decides that she's going to babysit Trixie, like, there's a day that Trixie is missing, and then they get this ransom note. And, of course, um, Mrs. Chatham freaks out immediately. She's like, oh, my God. Oh, it asked for $1,000, which I looked up, and that's like, just over like 18,000 in today's money, which again, way to ask for a modest ransom, y'all. Um, so they're like, give us a thousand dollars and she'll be returned to you. And Nancy's like, uh, I've got a hunch that she's still here and don't pay the ransom. So she goes to look for Trixie and she opens the secret passage in the ship cabin, the ship cottage. And she sees Trixie there and she's like, oh, Trixie. But then like she gets knocked on her ass. When she wakes up, Trixie's like, oh, my God, I didn't mean to hit you. I thought you were the bad guy coming back. And Nancy's like, oh, snap, a seven-year-old took me out. (laughs) And she did. Um, 
So she wakes up and she unties Trixie and they get back to the house and she's like, oh my God, you're safe. Thank God the kidnapper didn't lie. And Nancy's like, what do you mean the kidnapper didn't lie? And Mrs. Chatham's like, so I paid the ransom. And Nancy's like, I fucking told you not to. Shit. How recently? And she's like, oh, 15 minutes ago. And Nancy's like, then maybe we can catch up to them because apparently the person who collected the ransom was on a fucking bicycle. Because otherwise you'd be like, they could be long gone by now. But no, it's a bicycle. It's got a limited range. So Nancy actually goes into town too. Of course, of course the town has a fucking bicycle rental shop. Of course it does. And the guy's like, oh yeah, I rented a bike to a guy like an hour ago. And Nancy's like, okay. And then of course they have a costume shop as well. It's 19 fucking 42. What the fuck are you guys doing? Although I know the answer to that. And it's putting on radio shows. Um, the pe- people who run the costume place are like, oh yeah, we rented out a messenger costume. And you're like, again, I have several thousand questions. Why do you have a messenger costume? Is there just a bunch of cosplay that happens in this town? Like there's a bunch of married couples who are like, I just want to spice some shit up and we're just gonna, you're gonna play messenger boy and we're just gonna see how that plays out. The cops actually catch the bicycle messenger pretty quickly, honestly. And I think that he doesn't have the money on him by that point because he's already passed it off and he refuses to talk. And then eventually he's like, I don't want to take the fall for this. And so he tells Nancy that Spike is the one who put him up to it. So that's the person he passed the money off to. And Nancy's like, yeah, that tracks. Like everything about this tracks. Um, In the meantime, when they're searching the ship cottage, trying to find if there's anything, any clues about anything that they could possibly find, because as you've already figured out, Mrs. Chatham's first husband was the long-lost twin. He died at sea, like, 10 years ago or whatever the hell. So he's dead now. But Nancy's like, well, now we need to find his half of the treasure map. And Mrs. Chatham's like, yes, I'm I'm 100% here for that. Mrs. Chatham is, like, really well off. Like, that's not a question. Like, when she had to pay the fucking $1,000 ransom for Trixie, she just happened to have that in a safe in her house. She's like, oh, yes, I just went to my bedroom safe and got out $1,000. Like, fucking hell, y'all. Just fucking hell. Um, there's one point, and we'll do this right before we get to the break, where um, it's like she's not super concerned about house security, so... Um, even though there's been a prowler around and Nancy's like, maybe you should hire some guards. Um, Mrs. Chatham just asks her existing staff who Nancy is not impressed by at all. She's like, oh, do you guys know anybody who might want some work on the side? And they're like, oh yeah, we know two guys. And the two guys come out to provide quote unquote security. And when they come back to the house to check on something, they're gone. And Nancy's like, so where's the security guys? And Mrs. Chatham's like, oh, oh yeah where's the security guys and the gardener's like oh they found better jobs so they left and you're like wow like cool 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 um yeah so anyway while they're searching the ship cottage nancy finds this little tin box that has a safe deposit key in it of course of course it does because we're only like halfway through the book at this point And the safe deposit key goes to a deposit box that's in New York. Because, of course, like, River Heights in New York is all day, every day. Like, I don't understand why Nancy doesn't just live halfway between, but it's fine. So she asks Mrs. Chatham, and Mrs. Chatham's like, well, I hate traveling by automobile. And this is when Nancy's like, maybe you and Trixie should get out of the house while people are constantly trying to break in. And Mrs. Chatham's like, well, I hate going in the car anywhere. I don't know where I would take Trixie if we were going to get on a plane. Like, it would be cool if we went on a boat, but I, w- I wouldn't want to be surrounded by strangers. And anyway, so she's super picky about everything. Um, but she's fine with taking a plane trip to New York to check out the contents of the safe deposit box. So let's start with that after the break. Let's start with them heading to New York to see what happens. Okay, we're back from our break. Nancy and Mrs. Chatham are on their way to New York to check out the safe deposit box when um, they reach the airport and get a call that says, oh, you need to call home immediately because Trixie's missing. And Nancy's like, are you fucking serious? So 
they call and the people at the house are like, we don't know where she is. She vanished. And so they head back and they're searching everywhere for her. And Nancy's like, I've got a feeling. So she goes outside and looks and the trunk of the car has been popped and she finds Trixie hiding in the bushes because Trixie wanted to go with them. And when she was told that she could not go with them because she, again, is like really hard to control, um, she packed herself a little bag and hid in the trunk of the car, which is actually really cute. But anyway... So she couldn't get out of the car fast enough to, like, sneak onto the plane with the hat. Trixie had no idea how the fuck that was going to play out. But anyway, so that's what happened. That's why Trixie was missing. So Nancy's like, look, please promise me that you're not going to run away while we're gone. And Trixie's like, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to run away. It's fine. And Nancy's like, okay. So, so they get back to the airport to take off for New York and they just missed their plane now right before they pull up Mr. Bellows pulls up and he's like hey my friend Mrs. Chatham was gonna take a plane to New York um is she on the plane and the person who was at the gate like has already checked them in so they don't remember that they're not there anymore they're like oh yeah they're on this plane so Mr. Bellows gets on the plane but Nancy and Mrs. Chatham do not and so Nancy's like, actually, because the ticket guy's like, oh, snap, the person who just got on the plane thought that you, oh, no. And Nancy's like, oh, can you describe this person? And she figures out that it's one of the bad guys. And she's like, well, that actually worked out in our favor, even though now we have to sit on our happy asses and wait for another plane. Um, but just then, because of course, Nancy's father, the inventor of Toaster Strudel, knows everyone in River Heights and one of his very wealthy clients, who has a private plane that he likes to take back and forth to New York, rolls up at the airport and Nancy's like, oh, hey, I know him. Hmm. So she's, she calls him over and she's like, hey, and he's like, hey, I was about to take off for New York. And Nancy's like, what a coincidence. That is where we were going, but we had a slight emergency and so we're going to have to take a later plane. And the guy's like, oh my God, ride with me. Like I was going to be lonely and this is going to be fantastic and we can do each other's nails and it's going to be great. So Nancy's like, fuck yeah. So they also accept an invitation from the guy and his wife to stay in their penthouse suite because of course they do. Oh my God, champagne. It's going to be fantastic. Um, so they go to the bank and Mrs. Chatham's like, oh my God, I, I hope they don't think that I'm trying to steal the contents of the... And Nancy's like, it's fine. Look, my dad got your papers ready. He is fantastic. It's going to be great. So they talk to the bank people and they're like, yeah, we're going to have to like thoroughly check this over and we'll get back to you in the morning. And Nancy's like, we did not intend on spending a lot of time here. So like if you could get on it, that would be fantastic. So the next morning when they get up, yeah, the they are allowed to get into the safe deposit box. Although there is a person with the IRS who's sitting there. <laughs> And Nancy's like, pourquoi? And they're like, oh, he's here to look at it for tax reasons. Which, f what? I mean, technically, I guess because it's like part of an inheritance. Because she's claiming it as his survivor. But anyway, that's fine. The very first thing is like an envelope that clearly includes the piece of the missing map. And Nancy is so fucking excited when they open it. And she's like, oh my god, this is going to be great. And, and then when they open it, it's a letter in his handwriting, and it is not the map piece, and Nancy is bitterly disappointed. Um, so it says that he he had the map that his father gave him when he, you know, was a banner right before that storm that his father was killed in, and he realized that somebody was trying to steal it, so he had made a copy of it, and that copy was stolen the night before he wrote his letter, so he has taken his half of the map, and he has hidden it in the Warwick is what he says. And Nancy's like, Warwick? And she's like, yeah, that's the ship that he was in that went down, actually. And Nancy's like, fuck. Why would he take the part of the map that he had and hide it on the same ship that he knew somebody was trying to steal it from him on? Huh. So they think about it for a while, and they realize that he may have been referring to the little ship models that he liked to have. So he's got a bunch of those back at the house, which they have just basically ignored up to this point. And Mrs. Chatham's like, oh my god, yeah, I, I bet it's in one of those. So they go back to the house, they go back to the ship cottage, and 
They're looking through all the ships and they don't find one that says Warwick at all. And Nancy's like, son of a fucking bitch. Are there any other ships anymore? Anymore, anywhere. And Mrs. Chatham's like, well, I sold some. And Nancy's like, are you fucking serious? You sold, oh my God. Like, I thought you kept all of your first husband's stuff. And she was like, yeah, but there were like a fuck ton of ships and sorry. And Nancy's like, well, do you, do you know like who you sold them to? And she's like, oh yeah, I kept a list. And Nancy's like, great. And she's like, but I didn't write down the names of the ships, just the names of the people. And Nancy's like, well, at least that's something. So they go to the first guy on the list who is incredibly deaf. And so Nancy has to basically shout things at him for him to not miss to, because he misunderstands like everything that she says. They get his ship and they examine it and it says formerly the Warwick. So it was renamed at some point, the little model ship that he has, but they don't find any hidden anything in it. The next person on the list that they go see, um, mentions that oh apparently there's a lot of people looking for ships with that name model ships with that name because he just saw an ad in the newspaper for it a few days ago and Nancy's like okay what the fuck I mean clearly and this is obvious from the number of times that Nancy's followed different places um they're keeping tabs on her like constantly if she's at rocky edge like there's a bunch of hidden passages and secret places where you know anybody could be hiding and listening and so pretty much every conversation she has in this book is not secret so they go to this guy's house the ship says it's the warwick nancy gets super fucking excited and she's like okay so can can we look at it and the guy's like uh i don't know i don't want to part with it nancy's like we will bring it right back and he's like okay you can have it it's fine i just thought that you were gonna sell it at a profit and they're like no we were just gonna never mind nothing bye so they take the ship they've actually packed a picnic lunch nancy bess and george have and they get in their car they go like a mile down the road pull off search the ship find the map and then they're like now let's go have our picnic and they leave the ship in the front seat of the car like oh my god oh my god so of course because the dipshits are right behind them uh mr brown sneaks up to their car steals the ship and then siphons off their fucking gas just in case just for good measure and leaves and so they have a nice leisurely picnic not knowing every minute that these complete dipshits are getting further and further away. They get back to the car and George is like, what? we left the ship right here. Like, what the fuck? And Nancy's like, yeah, I had a feeling something like this might happen. So, um, yeah, the copy of the map was in my purse all the time. So that's cool. I also forgot to mention this because this was really fucking weird. Um, when they're on the way to the town to search for model ships, um, there's an elephant in the fucking road, which it has rained and it's just been super misty and just bad conditions. And Bess is like, I'm thinking this trip is cursed. And then there's a fucking elephant in the road, like the biggest symbolism you could possibly imagine. So Nancy stops the car and she's like, well, I'll just like encourage it to get out of the road. And Bess is like, what the fuck? No, no, you are not going to fucking encourage an elephant to get out of the road. What the fuck? So the elephant's trainer comes up and is like, oh, I was looking for you. And Nancy's like, you seem super casual about this as though it's a thing that happens often. And the guy's like, yeah, whenever we come around this place in the traveling circus, again, there are so many traveling circuses in this book and in all of these books. Um, Whenever they come around here, Old Tom, which is the name of the blanking elephant, um, <laughs> Old Tom likes to get loose and looks for look for his enemy. And Nancy's like, Hit, the elephant has an enemy? Oh, okay. And the trainer's like, yeah, this guy named Spike apparently started some shit with him. And elephants, they hold grudges. Like, that's a thing you need to know. If an elephant has a grudge over you, you better run. <laughs> and Nancy's like, oh, a guy named Spike was a bitch to an elephant. Yeah, that tracks. That tracks. I'm just going to spoil this for you. The elephant never pops up again. <laughs> it's just a fucking elephant in the middle of the road. <laughs> Poor Bess. Anyway, so Nancy's got the other half of the map. Um, she's got the first half of the map still. There was 
um, during that entire incident, whenever she was um, being pursued and she got Ned to kind of get her on the train, um, when she made a copy of the map, she mailed one to her father's office, which I love because it's a Perry Mason strategy that he used all the time. Like if he had a piece of evidence that he needed to make sure was not on his person for cop reasons, he would always mail it to his own office because the cops couldn't interfere with the mail, which genius. Um, anyway, so that's what Nancy does. She mails it to her father so that he'll have it. So, Nancy's got both sides of the map now, so they can figure out what's going on. Um, The name of the actual island is a little bit illegible, so they're not quite sure what exactly it says. And then she's like, there was something card on the bottom of that ship, and I think that's probably a clue. And Anyway, so she gets a note that's badly written that night, like the grammar and spelling are atrocious. And it's like, I'm sorry I stole your ship. I want to return it. Please come to 47 White Street on foot. And Nancy's like, oh, well, I thought that jackass couple stole it, but this badly written note tells me that maybe it was a child. And Hannah's like, um, you're not going to walk to White Street. Like, that is a super sketch part of town. You are not going to walk there. And Nancy's like, well, I'll just take the car. We bye. And I'm like, okay, first off, fuck. Second, people can choose to write with bad grammar, like, for trap reasons. So, anyway, Nancy decides that she's going to be really cautious and not go into the building. Like, that's that's her decision on how she's going to protect herself from certain danger. And there's a little kid sitting on the front stoop of the building when she pulls up, and he's like, hey, you were supposed to come on foot. And Nancy's like, yeah, um, but I didn't. So, where's the ship? And the little boy's like, well... I need $5 and then I'll give you the ship. And Nancy's like, uh, no, you bring me the ship and then I'll give you the $5. That's, that's how we're going to handle this. And he's like, well, it's for my sick grandma and it's upstairs. So I'm not going to give you the ship unless you come upstairs and talk to her. And then he goes in the house and Nancy's like, okay. Which again, what the fuck? Like none of this, none of this really tracks, but it's fine. So she goes into the house, the little boy leads her upstairs and he's like, here's my grandma and just shuts the door. And of course it's the couple. So the woman springs out of bed and grabs Nancy and the husband springs out of the closet and grabs Nancy and they tie her up and they take her through a secret passage that goes to the next house. Like what the fuck? What the literal fuck is every single residence business manhole cover in river heights just a fucking secret passage is this like the clue mansion but anyway so they take her through a secret passage to the next house just in case somebody comes to search the first house and they actually move her car so that it will not be obvious that that's where she is because they've got they've had some time to think about this um they know that nancy doesn't have the map like i can't remember if they search her or if they ask her but they are pretty sure it's back at her house. So they have Nancy write a note to Hannah asking Hannah to give the map to the bearer of the letter. But Nancy writes, give the copy of the map. And she's really hoping she says like, I'm going to shoot some really hard brain waves at this letter and hope that Hannah picks up on it and that she gives them a bad copy. Like that's her grand strategy. And of course it pays off because that's exactly what happened. So she writes the letter, um, Hannah gets it and she's like, mm, sketch. So she draws a bad copy of the map and gives that to him. In the meantime, um, Ned and Carson are looking for Nancy because they come home and Hannah's like, yeah, she said she was going to go to a sketchy part of town and she is not back yet. So they go to the address because Hannah still remembers what the address was and there's no one there, period. The little guy's gone there's no one there at all. Um, They search the room and they see the little ship model is on the floor and it's been broken. And so they're like, okay, they were here. And they find an ornamental button that Nancy was wearing earlier that day. So they're like, okay, yeah, some shit went down. Eventually they find the secret passage and it's like, let's break it down. (laughs) His woman is in danger, y'all. His woman is in danger. Also, I, again, I love that Carson and Ned are turning this into a buddy cop comedy where they're like, we're going to pair up to save the woman that we both love. One of us in a family way and the other in a deeply, deeply sexy way. Um, So yeah, Ned's like, let's just break it down. And Carson's like, and alert them that we're here. No, let's, let's find another way in that does not involve breaking it down, Hulk. So they eventually get into the other place and find Nancy and untie her. And Nancy's like, oh my God, please tell me that they didn't get the actual map. 
Uh, they go home and Hannah's like, no, I figured out that you wanted me to make them in an accurate copy. So there's that. And Nancy's like, oh, thank God. Around the same time, actually, Nancy goes to visit at Rocky Edge again, because again, that place is fucking catnip to her. There's one point where Trixie falls down into a hole that wasn't there before, like that super sketch. And they find this enormous piece of equipment that says this could kill you on it. And they're like, sure, sure. And it says, please consult instructor's manual. (laughs) And Nancy's like, what the literal fuck? So they go a little further down the tunnel and they find a door that has, of course, the instruction manual tucked into it. And it's like, I have not yet finished this device, but I think that the war department would really love it. And so if no one has done anything with it within two years of my death, it will become inert, but they can still check it out and see if they would like to maybe take this design and improve upon it. And Nancy's like, that seems perfectly reasonable. Let me contact the war department. There's no indicate. It just says that it's deadly, that it could kill somebody if they handle it inappropriately. And Nancy's like, this sounds like the perfect thing to turn over to the war department. Sure, honey. Um, so, yeah. So, that's what happens when Trixie falls into that hole. Um, then Trixie goes missing, and they don't know where she is. And Nancy drives down the road and finds her accompanied by a weather-beaten sailor. They're just chatting. They're just talking about ocean things. And Nancy's like, what the fuck are you honey, you can't just wander off with random sailors. Like, oh my God. And the sailor's like, oh, we were just talking about ships. Like, and because he has a kindly weathered face, Nancy's like, okay, that's legit. What she finds out is that the sailor works on a ship. Because remember how I told you that World War II is a thing in this book? Um, Once they dis- they found enough, of, like the map is put together enough that they're pretty sure they can find the island. And it's called Little Palm Island. Palm is the word that Nancy remembered was inscribed on the bottom of the boat. Um, they find it on a map. They're like, okay, now we know where it is. And now we've got the instructions for how to find the treasure. But they can't find a fucking boat that will take them there because all the boats have been pressed into service for World War II. Which was actually a pretty cool thing. Like, I, it's subtle, but... I thought it was really interesting that that was the way they handled that. Like, she doesn't want to charter a plane to do it. She wants to take a, a boat ride. And also, Mrs. Chatham says that she would be happy to bankroll it. Like, she thinks that would be an exciting adventure. And even if it results in nothing, like, it's still something fun to do. I mean, Trixie is go- has cabin fever, and she just needs to go out and do some things. So... So they take Trixie, they take Mrs. Chatham, they take Ellen and her family, Ned comes along, Bess and George come along, Carson does not, he's got shit to do. Um, there's one point in this book, actually, where um, Ellen calls Nancy and she's like, I keep hearing tapping in the walls and it's super sketchy, and Nancy's like, just like Clue in the Tapping Heels, maybe see if a boy who will be miraculously saved by a delicate but expensive operation is hiding in the cellar with some cats. <laughs> I'm just saying, I know that's an oddly specific situation, but no, it's it's clearly like the intruders who are still searching for clues for the treasure or whatever the fuck they can find. Um, so Nancy says, well, why not invite Hannah over? Because my dad's not home, so she's got nothing to do tonight. And Hannah goes over And the staff actually fucking rebels and is like, we are not going to feed her. And so Hannah's like, then I'm going the fuck home. Like, (laughs) and Ellen had something to do. She had like a recital that night or something. And that was one of the times that Trixie disappeared because the house staff cannot be bothered at fucking all to do anything. Like, oh my God, seriously. So, so. They all decide that they're going to go on, and they use this word very several times. They're going to go on a gale boat ride on a ship. It's, this one's called the Primrose, actually. They're going to go on the Primrose to find Little Palm Island to find the treasure that the sea captain left his to his twin sons. There's a little interlude. Occasionally, these books break they do third person limited almost all the time to whatever Nancy's doing, but occasionally it'll shift to the villain's point of view. And so it shifts to that. And so, you know, that Spike is talking to somebody now, Nancy knows what Spike looks like. 
but he's talking to somebody. He's like, okay, I'm going to get there first. You delay them. And this guy's name is Snorky, I think, which made me think of those little things that were like the Smurfs, but had the snorkels on their heads. Um, <laughs> good times, 80s. Um, so he's on the Primrose with Nancy and her friends and everybody, and Spike is on another ship that he's hoping we'll get to Little Palm Island first because, again, there's been so many copies of the map floating around that he's pretty sure that they've got enough evidence, they've got enough of the clues to get there. So, it turns out that Snouty, Jackass, I'm just going to call him Jackass from here on out, Um, it turns out that Jackass, like, first the first thing that he does actually is he steers the boat off course because he needs to buy the spike some time uh nancy and her friends figure that out fairly quickly actually like nancy ned's like let's go confront his ass like i'm not here for this shit we we got shit to do we got treasure to find and i've got drafts to elude so it's fine spoiler alert he's not going to he does get drafted um not in this book but they go talk to Jackass, and Jackass is like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I'm I'm on the right path, because he has poisoned the captain and the first mate, so that they will not know what he's doing while he's steering the boat off course. So awkward. So Nancy goes and searches Jackass's bedding, and she finds a envelope full of a mysterious powder that she's pretty sure is poison. And so she takes that envelope and swaps it out with salt because she's she has an experiment um ned and his friend decide to take over steering the boat so his friend gets mildly ill and then the next meal ned complains that his food is very salty and nancy's like okay so jackass tried to poison you like that's cool that's that's how that went down they go talk to the cook who of course is black oh my god and he's of course jolly because holy shit, can we not be racist for like 12 seconds? But they have enough time to observe him. They're like, uh, he doesn't seem to have any knowledge or anything about this. Like he doesn't seem to be involved in the poisoning whatsoever. This is all jackass. So after they catch jackass, um, Nancy finds him like trying to sneak some food out of the galley. And she's like, okay, that's bad. Like I have a bad feeling he's poisoned like everything and is like taking the good food into his cabin so that he will, he'll have access to it while everybody else is super fucking sick. So they ask him to taste everything that's in the kitchen and he refuses to taste the soup. He tastes everything else. So they're like, okay, throw the soup out. Um, they confine him to quarters, but of course, once they get close to shore, he magically escapes from his quarters because of course he fucking does. And he like jumps off the fucking boat and swims in shark infested waters to get to the island because that's just how we roll here. Nancy is not going to go up against anybody commonplace, y'all. She is here for like people who have zero regard for their own safety and she's, she's still going to kick their asses. So jackass makes it to the island um ned goes with a scouting party like they leave the girls behind on the boat and ned goes out there with the captain and they go scout the place out and they're like okay so funny story there's a lot of places on the beach where clearly people have been digging so that's nice but we are pretty sure they haven't found it yet so that's cool then this guy comes out and he's like I don't want anybody digging on my property. This is my property. This is my island. And Nancy and her friends are like, but the, the we're looking for a, a thing that this guy buried a while back. I mean, it's, it's probably nothing. And the guy's like, I don't care. I don't want anybody digging my property. You need to get the fuck out. And Nancy's like, okay, that's fair. And her friends are like, what, what do you mean that's fair? Like we've, what? And she's like, come on, come on. So they go back to the ship and Nancy's like, okay, I got a real bad feeling because this guy who says he's the owner of the island, like he keeps trying to basically obscure himself from me. Like he's trying to keep to where I can't see his face. So I think he's an imposter. So let's go to the house where this guy supposedly lives and let's see if he's actually who he says he is. So they go up there. Nancy takes Ned and Bill with her. 
Bill, who is the Tomlin relative, so he's related to Ellen and her family. He's like a cousin, I think. I never, I never quite figured it out. It's fine. Um, so she takes them up there, and the first thing they see when they peek into the back of the house is a woman chained to a fucking bed by her ankle. And Nancy's like, okay, yeah, we're definitely in, like, kidnapping and imposter territory. So she breaks into the house, and she can't break the lock because she needs the key, but she's like, we're gonna get you out of here. And the woman's like, my husband and my son are also tied up, and please help us. And Nancy's like, uh, okay. So they do find the guy who as soon as they whip his hat off, just like he's a Scooby-Doo villain, he's like, oh my god, and Nancy's like, it's Mr. Bowers, it's it's one of the bad guys all along, and he's like, yeah, so anyway, um, they free the people who actually own the place, and they're like, are you cool with us digging, and they're like, take everything, I mean, you freed us, and that was super scary, so thank you, so Nancy and her friends actually go back to the boat because it's really fucking late at night at that point and Nancy doesn't wake up for a damn long time she wakes up in the morning she's like it's nine o'clock and I'm like that's a good morning to wake up at nine o'clock feeling refreshed oh my god oh my god um by that point Trixie actually has grabbed her little shovel and she's like let's go look for treasure I, I found the map in Nancy's room but she picked up the wrong map so Trixie let everybody out there and she had the wrong map. She had one of the fake copies. So by the time Nancy and Bess and George get up and get out to the island, like it's, they have dug so many different places. Ned is slam wore out. He's like, I are you sure? Like, did, is it possible that somebody else came here and dug it up? We don't know what's going on. And Nancy's like, so the copy of the map you're using is wrong and they're like what the fuck so she like had reversed the direction so she pulls it up and she's like okay so we need to take seven steps this way and blah blah um so they do actually dig up the treasure i'm just i'm just gonna say it i'm just gonna say it at this point um they open the treasure chest and it's full of like gold and silver and jewelry and the booty that Nancy's given is like this beautiful jeweled bracelet. Like it's the most beautiful piece of the entire collection. This is 1942. There is zero reckoning with where the fuck this came from. Like, where did he get this? How did he have this? Um, was he maybe diving for wreckage from previous ships like what where the fuck did any of this come from thankfully it doesn't turn them all into skeletons in moonlight it's fine um <laughs> so anyway there's they dig it up and of course ellen and her family are overjoyed because they get half of the treasure and this means that um ellen's college is paid for and they won't be destitute anymore and so they're so excited and Ellen's like and we owe it all to you and Nancy's like no no everybody here is is partially responsible for this y'all did great it was it was just fantastic so yeah that's how the book ends with them on a treasure hunt on a deserted island having located the treasure because I mean if you were going to do like a stereotypical Nancy Drew mystery like I feel like this might be where your brain might go if you only know Nancy through pop culture is like oh she finds maps and secret passages and treasures and things and there are definitely a lot of books where that happens but this is the only one that I can think of where it's like really straightforward like and you're gonna find like a bucket of gold and jewels and silver and it's gonna be fantastic like and again, you don't even know where the fuck it came from. Like, there's other ones where it's like a family heirloom that's been passed down. And this is just like, no, no, I just, this is my accumulated treasure. And instead of doing a a sensible thing and like putting it into a fucking safe deposit box, which I clearly have one of, um, I'm just going to bury it in the sand and then take a map and tear it in two and give it to two 14 year olds and hope that later they will find each other after having been separated on lifeboats. Like, oh my God you're making a lot of bad choices clearly um they talked to the villains and of course the villains were like yeah I found out from somebody who was on a ship with the guy who split up the map and I told these people and they told these people and so anyway so Nancy finds out that like 
Yeah, they were all kind of in it together. Although the Browns, the couple that kept like chasing her, just seemed like jackasses, really. Like, eh. There's one point where they open the safe deposit box and there's the letter from the deceased sea captain and Nancy, the ghost writer's like, and then Nancy read over it and she was satisfied that it was who he was, who she thought he was. And you're like, I love that you're like, you know, who doesn't have time for this shit? (laughs) Me, bitches. (laughs) Like, imagine some evidence that would be compelling to you. And that's what was there. And, and I love that. I do love that. The next book that we're going to be reading, this is the last one for the season, is going to be the Clue in the Jewel Box, which is actually is really cool. Then we're going to pick up with season four, which is going to be back with the Nancy Drew Falls, which, as I've discussed before, I am fucking stoked about. But interestingly, for season five, we're going to pick up with the Secret in the Old Attic, which I fucking love. I love that one so much. Like, it's going to be real good, y'all. So... So you're going to tune in for that next week. That's going to be the clue in the jewel box. And as always, stay sleuthy, my friends.